Uh, we are 14 days and counting until the big day, okay? There, there are 14 days left uh, between now and Christmas Day, and so this is crunch week, all right? This is the week that things go from being crazy busy to insanely busy, okay? Now, this is the week, fellas, that shopping has to start, okay? Tanner, shopping has to start this week, okay? I mean, this is it. This is the week that, you know, we have uh, kids parties at school, which means, you know, we got, we got to get the teacher gifts going. Uh, you know, maybe there's a, you know, a Christmas concert or a Christmas play sprinkled in there. Uh, this is the week that uh, maybe there's an office holiday party, an office Christmas party. This is the week where you kind of start the calendar, the Christmas celebration with the family that you really don't want to be with on Christmas Day. But, you know, you kind of schedule them another time. Uh, but this is it. I mean, this is the week that it goes from being crazy busy to insanely busy. Because there's all this flurry of activity going on. And, and in today's passage, what we're going to see today is that Mary is surrounded by this flurry of crazy activity, okay? I mean, let's just step inside uh, the manger for a minute, okay? Uh, the first thing we have in the manger scene is, is we have livestock, okay? And livestock are doing what livestock do, okay? They are eating and they are neighing and they are moving, moving and they are dumping right next to the baby Jesus, okay? That's what's going on, okay? We've got, we got Joseph in this brand new father uh, kind of phase, okay? Joseph nods off, nods off for 15 minutes and he wakes up and he's in a panic. He's like, oh my God, is he, is he okay? Is he okay? Is he breathing? Is he okay? Okay, okay. All right, you know how it is, dads. You know, when you first, you know, brand new dad, you're, you're just panicked over everything, you know? And then you have these shepherds that show up. Okay, and they burst through the door and they're talking real fast and they're talking real loud and they're like, oh my gosh, you're never gonna believe it. I mean, we were out there and it was totally dark and there was this angel and we were so afraid and, and they're like, you're, you're what? You're like, yeah, yeah, we, it was totally dark. We saw the angel, we're so, so afraid and, 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 and Mary's like, no, I'm not quite catching that. What, what do you mean you, why were you sore? And I'm like, no, 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 we were so afraid. Why are you sore? Goes, no, no, we were terrified. Oh, you were so afraid. That's what you're trying to say. And they're talking real loud. And Mary's like, shh, shh, you know, the baby, the baby's asleep, you know. And then you got to some neighborhood kid who wants to play his drum for Jesus. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and Mary's like, are you kidding me? Joseph, take his drumsticks. Take his drumsticks right now. You know, I mean, it took me 30 minutes to get him to sleep. You know, it's kind of long. I mean, it's crazy. And then you have Mary. And Mary's just taking it all in. Mary is pondering the presence of God and enjoying the literal, the presence of God in her lives and taking everything in. And I just want to read one verse this morning to start with. And we see Mary in, in verse 19 in chapter two, all this crazy stuff going on. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You see, that verse is about slowing down. That verse is about reflection. That verse is about meditating on, on the Christmas story and not missing it this year because we get so caught up and so consumed and so insanely busy with the things that are going on. And so Mary's pondering things in her heart. And I think we can pull out four things that Mary ponders in her heart in, in, in order to be 
present and enjoy the presence of Jesus in the, in, the, in the chaos of the moment. And we're gonna unpack them as we go along instead of giving them to you up front. And so the first thing that, that Mary is pondering is that God is at work. Let's just say that together. God is at work. Let's say it again. God is at work. Now, now we need to remember that. Because God is not overwhelmed by the chaos of the season. And he's not overwhelmed by the chaos of the, of the moment. And he is certainly not overwhelmed by the chaos that's swirling around in our lives. That God is not sitting this out. He's not sitting on the sideline. He's not sitting there with his hands tied behind his back. But that God is actively engaged. He's actively involved. He's actively working. That God is present and God is at work. Now, it is so critical for us to remember this. Second um, Peter uh, chapter three, verse nine, P- Peter writes that the, Lord, uh, that the Lord is not slow. Okay, let's just say that word together. Slow, let's say it a little slower. Slow. That the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Now let's back up 700 years and we have this guy named Isaiah and he's a prophet for the people of Israel. And Isaiah writes about this, this gift that God was gonna send in the Messiah and the Messiah was the promised one that God was gonna send to rescue or redeem the people of Israel. 700 years, Isaiah writes about Jesus and he says when the Messiah comes, he's gonna be a wonderful counselor, uh, uh, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, a mighty God. 700 years before Jesus is born, Isaiah writes that. 400 years it's been since Jesus was born. There's, there's been 400 years of, of, of silence between God and the prophets that God hadn't said anything to the people of Israel for 400 years. It had just been 400 years of absolutely silence. And so people were waiting and people had given up. And these next 14 days between now and Christmas, it's gonna be hard for some of us to wait, right? I mean, these next 14 days are going to tick away for some of us so slow. And for some of us, they're gonna go by in a blur. But, but God is not slow in keeping his promises. And Mary remembers this. She remembers that, that, that God keeps his promises and she's reminded that God is at work. And she is pondering in her heart that God is at work. And we need to remember this because this is what will sustain us in the difficult times. This is what will sustain us in the hard times. This is what will sustain us in the painful times, in the times of silence when when life is hectic and lonely. This is what will sustain us. And even if we don't see it, God is at work. So she's pondering that. But she's also pondering the truth that everyone is valuable to God. Let's say that together. Everyone is valuable to God. Let's say it one more time. Everyone is valuable to God. So she's pondering that God is at work and that everyone is valuable to God. That God was at work in people that the world would consider insignificant. I mean, let's step back inside the nativity scene. I mean, first of all, we have Mary. And Mary comes from a very poor family. 
And she comes from a very poor town of Nazareth. In fact, Nazareth had this reputation that when you thought about Nazareth, the, the people would kind of say, oh, nothing good comes from Nazareth. And not only does she come from a poor family in a poor town, but now she finds herself as an unwed, pregnant teenager. And to make matters worse, worse for Mary, the, the man that she's engaged to be married to is now trying to quietly end the relationship. So things from the outside look like they've gone from bad to worse for Mary. But what we're reminded here uh, is, is, is the angel visits Mary and Mary told her that she was going to give birth to the Son of God, that she knew that she was loved and valuable to God. And she knew that she was included in his plan of salvation. So let's take the shepherds. Now the shepherds, they were also at the bottom of the social ladder. See, shepherds, they smelled. They smelled really bad because they're out in the fields with the sheep all the time. In fact, shepherds also had this a reputation of not being trustworthy. And it was so bad, the reputation of the shepherds, that a shepherd's testimony was not allowed in a legal court. And so if you were mugged on the street and your only eyewitness to that mugging was a shepherd, well, you were out of luck because that shepherd's testimony would not be allowed in the court of law. And so here you have God showing up to the shepherds who the world would consider an outcast. And when they see the baby Jesus, they know that they are loved and valuable to God and included in his plan of salvation. You picking up on a theme here? That, that the theme being that, that so far God has included a poor, pregnant, unwed teenage girl in a group of untrustworthy, poor, smelly shepherds all at the bottom of the social ladder. And what we find in the Christmas story is that in God's economy, the movers and shakers of the world are not who we would think or assume. But in God's economy, the first will be last and the last will be first. And the Bible says that God chooses the foolish things in the eyes of the world to demonstrate his wisdom, his power, his love, and to bring about salvation. So as followers of Jesus, as disciples, as methetes, as we follow Jesus, that as Christians, we should see the people around us as that they are loved by God and they are, valuable by, they are valued by God. And they're valued by God because of, they are created in the image of God. And so when we step inside the nativity scene, when we step inside the manger, we should first know that you and I, we are valuable to God and we are loved by God. But it also means that everybody we lay eyes on is also valuable to God and loved by God and included in his plan of salvation. And so Mary is pondering her significance. And so, so what, maybe what we need to do over the next 14 days is try to carve out just a little bit of time to reflect on just how much God loves me. To, 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 to think about how much God loves you, to think how valuable you are to God and to ponder that because Mary is pondering this, but she's also pondering the significance that others are also loved and valued by God. So God is at work 
Everyone is valuable to God. And, and, and the third thing that she's pondering in her heart is that God is a savior. Let's say that together. That God is a savior. That more that, that, that Jesus is more than just a teacher and he's more than just a helper. He's more than just a coach. He's more than just a fulfiller of the law, but he is a savior. And the angel told Mary, give this child the name of Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Remember we talked last week that the name Jesus, it means the Lord saves, which means that Jesus came as a rescuer. He came as a deliverer. He came as a redeemer. And Mary, as she's carving out time just to be present and to, and to give some reflection, she's, she's reflecting on the condition of her, her heart, that she's taking enough time to, to reflect on the condition of her soul and that she recognizes that she is a person who needs to be saved. She's the person who needs to be rescued and redeemed and delivered. And that can't come through, through her performance. That can't come through her religious performance or her modified behavior. It can't come through her jumping through the hoops. But that has to happen through faith in Jesus that she's holding in her arms. That Mary recognized that she's pondering this truth. That her deepest need is also our deepest need. And that's forgiveness of our sin. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. And we're so familiar with this verse, it's almost like we can say it in our sleep. But for God so loved the world, that means that he, you know, we can personalize that all we want. That God so loved you and so loved me, but sometimes, let's just be honest, we don't feel very loved by God. Because sometimes we feel like that God isn't at work. Sometimes we feel like we're not loved or valuable to God. Sometimes we feel like God is so silent that he's forgotten about me. And we're like, hello, it's me. Remember me? I don't think you do because everything in my world is falling apart. For God so loved you and he so loved me. Well, how do I know? How do I know how much he loves me? It's in the next phrase. That he gave his one and only son. He gave what was most precious to him. See how you and I, we determine value of something is by what we're willing to pay for it. And you and I are so valuable to God that he was willing to sacrifice his only son for you and I. And whoever believes, in other words, whoever puts their faith, in other words, Jesus came to live the life we can't live and die the death that we deserve. And so whoever puts their faith and believes in him and what he's accomplished on our behalf will not perish but have eternal life. So Mary is pondering how, how through this baby that God has provided a path, a way for you and I to be forgiven of our sins and has really nothing to do about us, but everything to do about him. That Christianity, that Christmas is not about what we can do for God, but Christmas is a celebration about what God has already done for us. Mary is pondering this. And so she's pondering that God is at work, that everyone is valuable to God, 
that God is a savior. And the last thing that she's pondering is that there's a bigger picture. Let's just say that together. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture here. There's a bigger story going on than just the story of our own life. That these events didn't just deal with the details of her world, but these events that we read about on the Christmas story deal with a bigger picture of redemption for the whole world. That Jesus was sent to to redeem and rescue and save and, and set free a broken world. But if, if we continue to just live in the small story of our lives, we will miss the, the great adventure of being a part of his redeeming story for others. And particularly at this time of year, and we can get so locked in and so focused on our own circumstances and our own schedule and our own calendar and our own time frame and everything that's going on and everything that's swirling, uh, swirling around that we forget that there's a bigger picture going on here. Mary, as she pondered these things, she realized that this was bigger than just about her. And so could we, over the next 14 days, could, could we just think about how you and I can participate and God's story of redemption. Maybe when we walk into our office or when we walk onto campus this week or we walk into our homes or we walk into our neighborhoods or we walk into a restaurant, how can you and I participate in God's redemption story? I mean, it, it, it's only December 11th. I know, I know for some of us, it's like, oh my gosh, it's December 11th. There's only 14 days left. Shopping's got to start today. But for other, but maybe we could slow down enough and just say, oh, there's 14 days left. There's 14 days that we can leverage the reason for the season. Do you know that the latest studies show that, that people are more open and receptive to an invite to church at Christmas than they are at Easter. We have 14 days to, to leverage that. And 14 days to maybe take one of these cards that talk about our Christmas Eve service and invite a, a friend or a neighbor or a family member or to plan a, your, your family Christmas around one of our three Christmas Eve services and invite somebody. And as we as a church lock arms with you in your invite. And 14 days left to maybe... I heard, I heard about this story from Friday night. There was, uh, there was, there was a couple, um, they had their favorite restaurant and they had their, their, their favorite waitress. And what they did to show value and how much they loved this waitress, they invited several friends to come and they asked each friend, each couple say, hey, will you put $100 on top of the tip? And then, then they could explain as a group, as, say, hey, we love you and we find you valuable and God loves you as well. Now, it doesn't have to be $100. It could just be 10% more. It could be 20% more. But just to gather some people and to show somebody you're valuable and you're seen and you're loved. 
to participate in this story of redemption for others. And over the next 14 days, could you and I just pray wherever, before we walk into, the, into class, before we walk into the office, before we, wherever we're at, could we just say a simple prayer just under our breath? Say, God, would you help me be your hope and your love and your joy and your peace in this moment and be fully present? We have 14 more days to leverage the season, to be a part of God's bigger story of redemption for those around us. And the band's gonna come and just gonna lead us in a response, but, and as they do, I think the challenge for us is to come from Mary's heart and to, to slow down and to ponder that presence of God in our lives. To slow down enough to, to see that it really is his presence is, is, is grander and greater and more precious than any present we could give away or any present we could receive. Could over the next 14 days, we slow down enough to enjoy the presence of Jesus and be present and, and, and to see everyone is valuable and to see that everyone is loved and if we could do this, it would, it would change the way we treat other people. It would change the way we, we treat our husbands, our wives, our kids, our parents, our little siblings. It would change that. If we could slow down enough just to participate in God's redemption story and see just how valuable and lovable that people are and how much God loves them, it would change the way we treat the Cousin Eddies of the world. It would change the way we treat our coworkers and our classmates. It would change the way that we even treat our enemies. It would change everything. And so this morning, I just want to close. Could we just slow down enough just to listen to the Christmas story? It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Coronius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first son, firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. And you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those 
whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. 